everyone. Welcome to what I believe is episode seven of Crow Triple Seven Live. Welcome, Jason Lingren. Hello. Boy, I am about burned out. I feel like I've been doing uh, research for four years straight here. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, so up till like three o'clock in the morning last night trying to get through books and then I lost an hour of course because some genius out in the world decided to save some daylight in a bottle is that a possible thing I don't know you know I've heard that I think that yeah. might be happening tonight uh, it happened last night um, actually uh, and I know this because some of the clocks in the house are automatic updates so <laughs> I stayed up late and it was an hour later than I thought is it? Um, yeah, usually we try to stick to the old time, but you know, you really it's difficult to do that. But anyhow, um, we're going to address some questions tonight, but uh, a couple things. First of all, um, if you submit questions to Crow 777 Radio, you've got to be an adult. Um, by the way, I don't make the rules around here. This is part of the new stuff that we're being bound to by places like Google and YouTube. So if you are underage or we suspect you are underage, uh, we can't cover anything you submit, and all the content that we put out is meant for adults, and unfortunately, we have to say that now. Um, anything you'd add to that, Jason? Well, there are safety concerns. Why don't we just put it that way? Yeah, it's a tee-up to be trapped all the time for ridiculous things. Um, you know, if you're not harming anyone, what's the problem? But clearly, common sense like that is getting chucked out the window pretty closely, but... Part of the research that I'm currently engaged in, and I'm dropping a huge hint here, uh, I feel like I should sing the song My Sharona, because Ooh. if it sounds like a thing, it is a thing. Everyone knows that beer that you put the lime in, right? I think we all know what we're talking about here. I'm rereading Ovid, uh, the old Roman author, poet Ovid. Um, I've tried to communicate to people how important things like the Iliad, the Odyssey, uh, the Ennead, these are playbooks. These are the history of our world told in myth, for lack of a better way to describe it. And how many times in our lives have we been told that history repeats itself? Uh, in Ovid, among other things, you will find that Crow and Jason and his Argonauts play prominently. Go figure. Um, <laughs> and anything I dropped there, Jason, you know, what's no. Crow implying? I, I don't know what I'm implying. I'm just telling you the way it is. Right. There was that cute little bit you just uh, threw at me about 15 minutes ago, which I found very amusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you written into a script you don't know you're playing? I don't know. Um, anyhow, we have a ton of questions to get through for this episode. I want to welcome everyone on DLive. Welcome everyone on Jason's uh, channel on YT. And uh, should we do this thing? All right, let's do it. Let's get to the first question. From Daniel, where do our thoughts come from? Are they received or created? You know, this is the age-old question, isn't it? It's a bit like the idea from Myth of the Muses. You know, you ask a songwriter, how did that song come to you? And they say, they don't know. It just came from somewhere. They were sitting there without a song, and then a moment later, they were sitting there with a song. Uh, we hear this all the time, but from my point of view, I think it's a little of both. Uh, it is my point of view that human beings have the divine spark and therefore some modicum of free will. That implies that we can create our own thoughts. But much of the game in this world is about control of minds, isn't it? Matter of fact, that might be the bulk of the whole game in this world at this point is to control minds, what people are thinking, how they're thinking, what they're thinking about. It's the entirety for the reason for television. 
back in the day, people would be in their little homes independent, having vastly different experiences all over this country. Now, you go to work Monday and they were all sitting in the same place all at once watching the same content, affecting the complete human mind stream. So to answer this question succinctly, I would estimate that it's a little of both, that an advanced, woke up human being is in fact making a lot of their decisions but clearly there's a mind stream that we all tap into. Uh, I don't know how, how the hell else you would ever explain writing a song as an example. Yeah, that's something I've started doing again recently because uh, for some reason I have a really nice Taylor guitar and it's been uh, making me tap into whatever that mysterious thing is out there that there's this feeling I get when I'm songwriting that's very different. It's, it's quite unique than anything else I normally experience. So I'm with you there. I think there's something that we're tapping into in some way, shape, or form. Well, you know, these myths are not nonsense. And just to go back to the myth thing, to try to get people to give themselves the classic education most of us never even knew we needed, um, there's an idea of muses. And by the way, the myths are not talking about gods with capital Gs. What they're doing is personifying aspects of nature. So that human beings have a way to address them and talk about them and make interesting stories about them. That's what's going on from my point of view. But the idea of the muses is exactly um, trying to communicate how does a person come up with a song. There's this thing, this aspect of nature. But anyhow, Jason. Right, indeed. I'm with you. All right, one second here. You know, maybe I should, you know, I'm going to add one in here, Jason. Um, and just to be perfectly clear, we're not kidding. Only adults submit questions um, to anything Crow 777 Radio. And all the content is meant to be delivered to adults. What adults do with it from there, if they're in charge of younger people, that's up to them. Um, a lot of people ask us, how do we do our research? Um, and this is progressively a difficult thing to address. The further into the digital age we get, the harder it is to do research because we cannot get access to everything we want to. And sometimes you expend so much effort just to find a thing that you knew you looked at before. The truth is, is that Jason uses a lot of digital things. I know he uses a lot of search engines like DuckDuckGo. And it's not necessarily what search engine do you use. It's a lot of different search engines to see the difference in returns. For my part, I would estimate about 80% of my research is done from books. Even that is becoming difficult. Uh, places like Amazon are not stocking the books like they used to. There are flat-out books that have consciously been removed for sale by some of the biggest book purveyors. Um, and more than anything, what it comes down to to do good research is experience because you have to have a BS detector. And I liken that to smelling something burning in the kitchen. And you just need experience in life to get there. What would you add, Jason? Yeah. No, I, I man, having a BS detector is actually going to uh, tie into the next question heavily about, um, we can just tie all these together, really, asking about search engines and how do we look into research and, and how do you conduct research and how do you differentiate. Um, it can get tough, man. That's why I cross-reference like crazy. And it really depends upon what you're looking for, too. But, man, you you will start developing a BS detector once you start. Well, it's not a thing like where you start. It's as your, your higher mind in this consciousness raises, however you want to say that, it's, um, it's a thing you dial into more. Like you can just sort of feel it. Uh, you sense a disturbance in the force, if you will. 
Well, there's other things like when you're doing online research, a lot of times you'll find the exact same paragraph in 20 or 30 different places. You're searching for the same information. In other words, someone has clearly taken a paragraph that someone wrote sometime and it's been posted all over the Internet. When you start to run into that, uh, you don't need a BS detector. What you're seeing is the regurgitation of one single possibility for what you're trying to get at. And whenever I see that, I usually disregard, uh, unless it's dates. You know, if you just need to know dates and things like that, that's one thing. But if you have to question the veracity of the information and you found the exact same paragraph posted in 10 different places, you should understand that you need to do better than that. So as far as search engines, if we want to continue on with that point, uh, I still I use everything. I will go from Google to DuckDuckGo. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll dial into the Brave browser and try different things. Here's the thing. Different search engines are indeed going to give you different answers, different returns. And it's uh, kind of crazy when you see that. And there's another thing. Uh, people don't understand what it means to be logged in. If you want to get any semblance of a decent search return, don't be logged in anywhere. If you're logged in, it's going to start giving you returns they think you think you want. Um, and that's not research. Uh, a person a person shouldn't be presented information based on what they bought on Amazon a week ago. That's not how information search should be based, yet that is how it's based. And you can see right now I'm not logged into the chat. There's a reason for that. Jason's building a channel here. I have had endless censorship, and I know certainly if I log in and hit this, it'll draw the lines between us. And that will open up the door to possible censorship for Jason's channel. Um, you've got to understand what logging into anything means. If you want clean, free, as, as free and as clean as you can be, don't be logged into stuff. Don't be logged into YouTube while you're doing Google search, in other words. But let's carry on. Oh, by the way, if anyone knows how to take phone calls on a YouTube live stream, let me know how to do that because I've been trying different configurations of different things. And while I can kind of figure it out uh, for me to be able to hear it, I need Skype to funnel through it so that they would be hearing Crow and myself or Wayne and myself if we do it on the other live stream. I need to know a solution. Uh, I do have a small hardware mixer if I need to do something external, but I've been trying all different routing configurations and something something's not quite clicking right yet. And I, I got a Google number so that folks would have a number to call in. So anyway, if anyone knows how to do that, uh, just email me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com because I need to know. All right, man, let's carry on. All right, next question is from Jared. On December 21st, I witnessed two planes crossing in an X-shaped pattern, both spraying jet black chemtrails over Kearney, Nebraska. These are the first of these I have seen. What do you make of these relatively new type of chemtrails? I think it's pretty ballsy of these people to start putting, out, putting such obviously unnatural things into our skies in plain view. Actually, this may be new uh, where you are, Jared, but I started filming near the year 2000. Uh, I've seen this. I've seen the, the patterns in the skies, the X's. Um, and by the way, I noticed, Jared, that you're pointing out you were on the low point or where the sun goes to die on December 21st, also known as 1221, also reducible to 33, to put an exclamation point on the importance of the winter solstice, which, by the way, in this year 2020, will have the great 
conjunction, once-in-a-generation conjunction. Last time we saw it, we went into the year 2000, hint, hint, hint. But to get back on the point, uh, I've seen these dark chemtrails. I've seen the chemtrails where there's like a black beam coming off the nose of the plane. Um, these are not new, and if you're if they, if you're just now seeing them in your area, um, then you should you know film them when you can. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. It's hard to know how much they're switching it up. And to be honest with you, I haven't filmed them in a long time. At some point, you got to take a break. And by the way, on those super chemi days, I don't even like to be out breathing the air. To be honest with you, I've seen X patterns and giant tic-tac-toes actually across the sky so yeah maybe it just happens to be in your area you didn't get to that yet but absolutely and sadly you can still point these things out to most people and they're going to give you a fluoride stare and go those are just contrails well i think the main thing that jared's pointing out is not necessarily the x shape but the jet black chemtrails um and i've seen versions of this i've seen black next to white where it almost looks like a shadow but it can't be because of the positions and i know what he's getting at here and it's hard to imagine anyone could look up and see these things and and think it's not unusual it's just contrails no i've seen the the grayish black and pretty black yep. black too i've seen that as well but yeah that doing patterns uh even going back all the way man a long time <clears throat> now it's 2020 i've seen these things for let me think, man. Two decades? Maybe yeah, into now? the 90s. I think, yeah, it, I think, I think, I think I'm started... trying to think how far back, but yeah, I think it was all the way back to the 90s. Yeah, and at mid to end of the 90s. But anyways, let's uh, take one from Scotland. Had be great. Jillian, I heard Crow say he would never look at the sun being eclipsed again as it freaked him out and led him to understanding some things. What did you see, Crow, that was different? Can you also expand on the ideas of the nodes as I can't seem to find out what they are? So come on, laddie, give it to the wee Scottish lass. Ha, all right. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. For years, I went back, on for back and forth about <clears throat> whether you would classify an eclipse as a positive event or a negative. I now understand it to be negative. The light is being blocked. For those of us that appreciate the light, the truth, all the things we could say about light, it is in fact being blocked during an eclipse. You're being brought into the umbra, under the umbrella, that powerful sign, the shadow, under the cover of a shadow, the umbra or the umbrella. So to get to the point here, uh, when I used to sun gaze under semi-normal conditions, and by the way, don't stare at the sun people unless you know what you're doing. I'm not kidding. You will damage your eyes. Um, yeah, exactly. Don't feed jalapenos to babies. Doesn't work. Um, we would do it at sunset and sunrise, and you get an energetic feeling. It's a very clear light once your eyes are grown up enough to focus in, staring at the sun. Um, it's energizing. It's positive in every attribute I could think of to the point where sometimes when you get up to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 minutes, your vision feels like it's improved after you've done it. Um, and I have astigmatism in one of my eyes. Uh, but on this day, I looked up as we hit the totality of the clips in my area, which was not total. It was about half. And it was the worst chaos I've ever witnessed. It looked, I don't even know how to describe it. It looked like instead of light coming straight from source to, to my eye, that it was ricocheting and scattering and just craziness, chaos. Um, that's, that's the impression I got. And to address the nodes idea, <clears throat> you can go into any Western astrology software and you'll see the nodes listed. 
Um, I don't think they look at the nodes in the same way the Vedics do. But if you look up Ketu and Rahu, sometimes referred to as the head and the tail of the dragon, it's one of the ways they're described, um, you can get into the Vedic ideas of nodes. And here's the problem. Probably from Western astrology point of view, I think maybe most people just think it's a point where two, two paths cross. But in maybe Vedic ideas, some of the stuff that I've read, uh, it's more than just a point where two paths cross. As a matter of fact, it kind of has to be for it to be causing the eclipse. That's what I can say about that, Jason. All right. Jillian's got a few questions here. So next, are you concerned as I am with the net web trap that is online closing its noose around our necks soon? And would you be interested in newsletters and physical tapes to continue the show should the worst come to pass? Um, am I getting the tone and tenor of this right? I wonder. Um, yeah. Here's the problem with technology. Um, it will always end up being a service that you don't know how it works totally and you don't control it. And yet you're using it as if it was the heartbeat of your life. That's a problem. Uh, and the real problem is, is the bigger these services get and the more powerful and the more data and all these things come to be, uh, power corrupts, doesn't it? We see it all the time. We see it with information. Um, right now, we know what's coming. If things continue on this route, total control of everything where basically if you want to make a comment, you got to show your ID. That day is coming if we stay on this trajectory. Um, we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. For now, we have a private server. We work very hard to ensure we're not injuring anybody. We follow rules that we don't even agree with. Like if you're under the age of 21, you can't submit a question. That's a little bit ridiculous to me. Um, that, that other people with information can't share it with a person just because they're younger. But I'll go along with it. Parents can be in charge of their children, um, and I'm not going to scream too loudly. Even though I don't agree with it, I will abide by these things. For common cause to be able to defend the space we have carved out on a private server. Um, we don't know where this is going to head, and depending on where it heads, we'll, we'll adjust. Uh, I'm not sure about newsletters. Uh, physical tapes makes a bit more sense, but newsletter, oh, I, I guess I get what you're saying. I'm guessing you're old school now that I'm thinking about this. You're saying putting a letter in the mail and mailing it to people. Those yeah. are options. To, to go back to the old days. Um, those are options, and I appreciate that you're thinking this way because what you're doing, and the point I missed at first as I went over what you said here, was I'm thinking digitally. What you're doing is saying digital is going to be a problem. These old school methods go around it. So, yeah, I'm with you all day. I don't necessarily think, I mean, things have to get really bad to ditch digital, but as far as not being able to do things via the internet, you can still do things digital, digital just because tapes are uh, notoriously lossy and easy to break like things can happen to them but there's no reason why you couldn't send digital via a usb uh thumb drive or something like that like you can still do that you can make a digital newsletter but snail mail it out if you're trying to do things that way and keep it uh away from an internet-based kind of thing i think you could have kind of have a combination a hybrid technology there between doing it the old school way and the new school way tapes man it just gets expensive uh, they break easy. No one's got the machines anymore, and I don't think anyone's going to go out looking for a tape player. But I like the idea of having a fallback. I, I would I would look at a, a hybrid analog-digital before anything else. You know, a big part of this is what I've done for the entirety, well, 
that's not quite true. When I first had the blaring light of, I guess, semi kind of low level internet fame blasted on you, you make mistakes, but I learned pretty quick. And what we've done is we've conducted ourselves where we put the concerns of living human beings first. We don't harm anyone. We don't argue with people online. We don't badmouth people we don't agree with. And we try to create a defensible operation. Um, and that's what we've done till now. Even you can go to YouTube right now. Every description is me broadcasting my true intent. I'm wishing everyone a healthy, a healthy happy, and higher-minded life ahead. These things are hard for people to attack when your intent is on your sleeve in that way and you're basically trying to be above reproach, which is the way we've conducted ourselves. So we'll see if it gets so bad that even that won't help us. All right, last one from Jillian. Have you known anyone to fully grasp the truths you expose on air who hadn't developed their higher human mind? I came to the awakening point first and then realized the lies we are told. I seem to have developed extra senses doing so. More access to common sense, reason, and intellect to include the ring of truth, an almost spooky sense of instinct and intuition, mild telepathy, and the ability to hear, feel, and sometimes even see electromagnetic energy. What ESP powers have you developed? This is the thing. Everything you just described is true, and it comes with the higher mind. In the past, I've tried to tell people, if you let go of all the nonsense and quit believing in stuff for about a year, the chemistry of the way you think actually starts to change. But the way you put it here is what I'm trying to communicate. Uh, all the things that science will tell you is not true. ESP is not true. We can't weigh it or measure it or put it in a lab. It is too true. Every parent in the world has it when their child lies to them and they know certainly they've been lied to, but they can't explain why they know. And nonetheless, they know. Um, this is what we're talking about. Um, the level, it's almost, we don't have words in our language to describe the level that it begins to rise to. When I'm heavy into research, like I'm doing right now with Ovid, the things that come to me, I have to stop and go over the first question we covered today. Where did that just come from? Did I think of that or did it come from somewhere? I don't know, but nonetheless, I know. And it's not debatable. I know to a level that lets me know I can bank on what I'm thinking here. Um, I, I don't have all the answers, but what you're saying here is true. When you break free of the mind control grid that basically is powered by you believing in things, uh, a whole other human mind. As a matter of fact, we're talking about Wim Hof, having Wim Hof on. Um, there's a man who's doing exactly what we're talking about. He's saying that we have come so far in our comfortable little you know, moderate your the place human beings live that we lost all these powers our mind had to, to moderate what our body does and things that science will tell you are impossible. And I'm basically, as, as much as I've seen of him, not that much, I, I, I'm with that all day. Science has no idea the power of the human mind. And by the way, each of us has this ability. Uh, it's just that we've been taught to believe in nonsense our whole lives. And when you believe in nonsense, you're believing in fairy tales. And fairy tales are not going to get you where you need to go. By the way, if anybody knows how to contact Wim Hof, I think he might be a good person to have on. And uh, you know how it is when people start getting some notoriety. They're, they're pretty hard to get a hold of. But anyway, next right. up is from Logan. Who or what are, quote unquote, they... You guys quite often refer to they as much of as much as the uh, away community does. 
Can we pinpoint who the overlords, global elite world rulers are? Are they human in the same sense as you and I? Are they reptilian, alien, or otherworldly origins? Can you explain your take on aliens or demons or otherworldly beings? Do we have unseen forces as in the spirit world speaks of in many indigenous cultures? All right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we missed We missed uh, a question there, by the way. But um, yeah. Okay. So common sense is going to dictate. Yeah, they're human beings. They might be a lot different than we are and a lot further ahead. And that doesn't excuse the kind of inhumane actions that we see i'm not going to excuse that but no i'm not accepting that there's reptilians or or anything else like that you'd have to show me some pretty damn compelling evidence to get me to accept their shape-shifting aliens in this world that is not a common sense point of view and i'm not buying and i'm not buying until there's a product on the shelf that tells me certainly this is worth considering um there are forces in the world we just talked about them how a higher mind starts to get almost esp like qualities i i can't i mean we're going to call that a spirit or a demon or you, know, you see what i'm getting at here how do we put a framework around it are there forces that are unseen you better bet your butt every time we're we're listening to this my sharona nonsense if you know what i mean taking over the news right now named after the beer with the lime in it, um, you're looking at a spell being cast. And it's it's working. It's spreading mind to mind to mind. There's more than just a suggestion behind these ideas is what I'm pointing at. Um, and the idea of magic almost in the way we're talking about, yeah, these things have been used. We see them used all the time. Whether or not you want to call it a level of science we don't yet understand so we act like it's magic or whether it's something else, does it really matter? What we see is it's working. Um, And the they, yeah, we know for the most part who they are all day long. It's the people who got richest the quickest in the world, basically. And they're hiding a history that we know nothing about, where we probably lived a lot better and happier as human beings. As I mentioned recently, some of those cathedrals were made. The people who built them only needed to work 14 weeks in merry old England, as it was called then. You can see the fall we've taken. Who are they? They're oligarchs. Who are they? They're places like the Vatican. Who are they? They're the royalty that always had all the money and power. It's not hard to, deter- to determine who they are. But when people come along with all this new NWO and Illuminati and all these words that are meant to mean something, but they actually don't, that's how we all end up saying they. But what difference does it make? If I gave you an address, would you go knock on the door and ask them politely to knock it off? You see the point I'm making here? What would you add, Jason? Well, if you're looking for names, this isn't hard to uh, figure out. Why don't you look at... No. I'm sorry? No, it's not hard to figure out. Sorry. No, it's, uh, it's, it's not hard at all. I mean, who controls the banking clans? Who controls the oil? Who controls the yep. technologies? You want names? There you go. Go look them up. <laughs> I'm not going to start rattling things off here, but uh, it's names you've heard of. Uh, the common one, of course, is Rothschild, but there's there's tons of them. There's there's bunches of them, and what's above them, we don't really know. But uh, there is certainly, in my opinion, and, and in my experience, in fact, that there is a spiritual component to all this. And yeah, I think they're definitely those 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 evil. They they are into dark spiritual stuff because I've seen a little bit of that. And uh, goodness only knows what happens when you willingly start inviting that stuff in. I, I would even go so far as to say this whole game is a bit like a spiritual battle. The endless cycle between good and bad. 
Um, and we have sayings for this, don't we? Power corrupts, absolute power absolutely corrupts. Um, look at some of the histories that we've openly been handed, the level of rich and the level of power that very small groups have had. Uh, we see what happens. They get corrupted. Uh, a lot of them go to the dark side. But here's the problem with the world we live in. Um, if you want to have light, you got to have dark. There's no two ways around it. And by the way, if someone chooses to be bad, they've broken no law. That's a free, a human being can make that choice. So the problem comes when the majority of us don't want bad to be the normal, and yet bad is being inflicted on the majority of us. And that's kind of where I find most people feel we are. Um, and hell yeah, man, there's a spiritual component to all of this. And there, the most important thing that I could think of right now in the time we exist is to do what you know is correct at all costs. Um, that's what I would add. And God bless you, know, you. Thank you. That didn't go off, go out over the air though. <laughs> um, here's the thing. You got to look at who owns what or what owns who you can look at it both ways. These things kind of work like umbrella entities. One thing, a bunch of one one entity will have a whole bunch of other entities under it. Uh, the media thing we always talk about is one really good example of that. How there's only a few media corporations that actually have all of these other organizations underneath them, so you can control things from the top down. That's the way the world really works. Now, do we know who's at the tippy tippy top of that little pyramid? Mm, probably not. I suspect it's very old world family types who are passing things down through bloodlines. But no, unfortunately, even we don't know that. There's just no way to know that because I think they have done a good job of uh, obfuscating themselves, at least to a reasonable degree. So you got to go where you can go. You can look at who owns banks. And uh, again, the Rothschilds are a good example. You, you, they like to stay out of things like, oh, we don't own that much. No, not really. No, you own companies that own things or you have major stakes in companies that own things. It all leads up to you and then whoever is above that. So, yeah, they can be cute and clever with the, with their we don't own anything kind of nonsense, but that's uh, just not true. This is the separation from nature. This is the idea of a corporation. Right. Why isn't it that if a living man or a living woman wants to have a business, they are the living entity that represents the business they are running? Well, that's not how it works anymore. We get this fictitious dead thing called a corporation that has no life. We give it the rights as if it was alive and a human being. Um, and then it's all this legal mumble jumbo to hide who owns what. Or you can't sue this place or all these things that come with it. This is the detachment from a sane world where things that are alive take precedence over imaginary things. And we find ourselves in an artificial age where imaginary things have long ago begun to take precedence over living things. And this is a perversion. This is why Jason and I will cover usury before long. Usury is provably abhorrent um, on the face of it. Because if I go out in nature and see a deer, I know certainly that deer will produce a baby deer. If I see a rabbit, that rabbit will produce a baby rabbit. That is the normal human living observation in this creation but if i see a gold coin and that gold coin has baby gold coins you're looking at a perversion of what it means to be a living man or woman and that is the basis for usury and so using nature as our benchmark often helps us kind of assess what it is we're looking at what's the take on the dogons of africa you know i uh i did 
years ago, quite a bit of looking at this. Here's the thing. I'm interested in any culture that was living in nature, close to nature, who were very old, who can remember a time before basically the corporation and admiralty law and kings and queens and guillotines for crying out loud. And the Dogons fit that um, in Mali, if I'm not mistaken, thinking back now. And the level of technology is communicated in some of their writings is almost breathtaking to think of the scope of it. But the problem is, as with all things, most of the research we can do on Dogons was there because some lord from Britain went there and wrote what he felt was right. There are exceptions with the Dogons, but you can see the problem. My point is, is I'm interested in any group of human beings that is su sufficiently old or living in nature. They have a lot to teach us here in the corporate age. All right. Why are precious metals the standard of wealth when they are clearly a rock mineral? What's the truth with humans' obsession with gold? Well, I know well, I you're going could... there with that, but uh, I don't think it's true. <laughs> well, I think we could track it back to uh, to the fall of man. There, you know, even in things that we covered recently, which were not easy to cover because I knew people would flip out, but we covered the box saga anyhow. Um, there are plenty of other things. They don't claim to be as old as the box saga for whatever that is worth. Um, there was a time when gold was used to make beautiful things. There was no monetary value. And you can see the progression of where we end up, where we are. Once all of a sudden we quit bartering, like here I've got some corn and I'd like some of your barley, and all of a sudden it becomes something else that's valuable, um, you can see where we start to go wrong. Because then it's not long before usury comes to bear. Then it's not long before we're, we're just basically handing promissory notes, paper, that are not even backed by gold. And yet gold is still the most valuable thing. This is because of the age we find ourselves in. It's my opinion, it's my point of view, that we're currently residing in the Iron Age. And I think we should likely be nosing up to get out of these lo this lowest of ages uh, into something better. And I think that's part of the reason for the, the total internet kibosh that's being pulled over everyone with fake viruses and everything else that comes with it, this fear to control minds. Um, but it is said that if in fact there is an iron age and a bronze age and a silver age and a golden age, and there's different words in different cultures, I accept these things to be true because I know a year has a winter and a summer and I know next one too. And so if I recognize that cycle and I blow it out to 5,000 years or 50,000 years, how can that not too be a cycle? The idea I'm expressing here is in a supposed golden age, there was no idea of currency and wealth in that way uh, and no need for it because of the mindset. Uh, I hope these things are true. Now, of course, the, the general answer here is uh, things that are considered rare can be used as a modicum of exchange because something needs to exist. It's even the concept with blockchain, although that, that there's more sinister things at, afoot there, but the fact that it's a unique thing. There's only one numerical signature per Bitcoin or whatever it happens to be. It's it's just the concept of scarcity and uh, the haves and the haves nots and having <clears throat> something to use as a modicum of exchange. And that that's it. Uh, now, in the more modern age, of course, things like gold and things like that are actually quite useful for technological devices, but that's a different story. Well, I think we might have sidestepped one of the main questions here now that I'm rereading it. Um, gold is the pinnacle of value in most cases, not always, for the simple reason that it doesn't tarnish. In other words, gold doesn't degrade. 
if you have silver, it will tarnish. If you have almost any metal, it'll oxidize or start to break down in some form. Gold doesn't do that. And in that, gold represents aspects of the sun, the sun being the root to all healing and all life in our world, whether you want to admit it or not. It's the truth. Um, that is the representation. That is why gold is always associated with the sun because of the purity and it's a thing that you can count on to a level you don't have to question. In other words, certainly the sun will rise tomorrow when it's supposed to. I don't even have to question whether that's possibly not true. In the same way when I'm holding gold, I know there's a differing version of the same idea. This gold will look just as it does today 10,000 years from now being the idea of the gold standard. All right. Would love to hear some research on the Moors and the possible pre-Eurocentric worldview of history. From my understanding, most true history is hidden or erased. I got to tell you, I would love to know these things too. And this is exactly uh, the, the epicenter of so much of the research we've done. Uh, we don't accept the timelines. We don't accept the dates. We don't accept that 2,000 years ago is actually as far back as we're being told it was. In other words, if you said 1,000 AD, are you actually saying it's a few hundred years behind us now, or are you actually saying it's a thousand years? I don't accept that it's a thousand years, and I think there's a whole history that's been hidden away. And I think further that if I could just waltz into the Vatican archives below the Vatican and read any language I wanted to, that I would find a lot of the reality right there, probably. Um, after all, how is it that people like Napoleon Bonaparte supposedly took over the Vatican and never marched down and off with all those treasures? It makes no sense. Um, I, I don't know how we get at, at, at this erased history. I really don't. Um, I think I kind of know who's responsible for helping erase it, but that doesn't get me any closer to knowing what was erased, except that it, there was clearly ages where human beings were much happier. By the way, because our friend David Weiss is an entertaining individual, he designed a logo for a T-shirt that is now on the Teespring shop of the crow saying, I don't accept that. <laughs> is that true? I, I saw the shirt. Did you actually do that? I didn't even know you did that. That's yep. hilarious. It's available now, so you can get you can get the Crow logo, the Crow Triple Seven Radio dot com. But the Crow is going. I don't accept that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll accept that. All right. What do you think they are hiding in the vaults of the Vatican and all the stolen books and artifacts that they have? Well, wouldn't we like to know? <laughs> Uh, maybe the history of the world, the actual history of the world. I, I mean, I hate to harp back on the box saga again because it was such a touchy subject for so many people. Unfortunately, they don't know how to look at ideas and try to glean from them what's gleanable. Um, you're looking at a place that claimed to be basically paradise named H-E-L. It's claimed that the Vatican marched an army into that place, unbeknownst to history, knocked it down with 30,000 mercenaries, renamed it H-E-L-L -L with the 33 on the end there, see how that works, and then made it the worst place, took paradise and said, nope, hell, this place is hell with two L's, that's the worst place you could ever be in the world. Then they renamed the place Wolf Island. Remember Julius Caesar, remember Romulus and Raymond, who raised them? Wolves, that's right. Two kinds of people in this world, wolves and sheeps idea. But then to top it off, in that Finnish or Icelandic name, I forget which it is, that says Wolf Island backwards in the first few letters. It says Jesus in Latin. You, you, you picking up what we're laying down here? Uh, well, let's even, well, okay, let's go with the Crusades. All right, so, so even if you go with that, and they're sending all these people 
to the Middle East and uncovering things. There's no doubt that they were uncovering things. Uh, where was all that stuff going? Well, back to the Vatican, I should think, right? Well, it was a holy war, right? And who was the holy king? That would have been uh, Il Papa. I'm sure the Medici had something to do with that. But uh, yeah, so so it's that's just one example. The, the militarization of uh, the Vatican has been going on for a very, very long time. So we just don't know. We, they, they probably have... Well, here's what we do know. It is admitted that there are seven miles of catacombs underneath the Vatican that are vaults, and you have to get very special permission. Well, first of all, you have to be Catholic. If you're not Catholic, you, you have no... no help whatsoever but let's say you are catholic and you want to make a request to see a document you have to ask you can't just ask for a general search kind of thing there's no google at the vatican kind of thing you have to ask for a very specific document and if they have it then it has to be granted by the the i don't i don't remember if it's the pope the pope can grant it but i think there's a there's a committee yeah yeah, like they have to approve it so do you think you're going to be able to get up there Mm. Most well, that, that points not. out another thing. You have to know the name of a document. How many documents are down there that no one ever knew even exactly. existed? That's so, point. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just more forms of, of censorship. Um, and by the way, that, that should show anyone who's interested. Uh, there's an old biblical passage that tells you, informs you rightly, not telling you lies, telling you truly that you can understand a tree by its fruit. In other words, if you pick the fruit, and the fruit is poison, guess what you know about the tree? The tree is poison. Look what we just told you about what the Vatican's doing with the history of the world. What kind of tree are we looking at there? Does anyone need to ask what kind of a tree we're looking at there? That information belongs to every living human being in this world, regardless of race, creed, or any other damn thing. And yet it's bogarted. Um, And not only is it bogarted, you probably don't know or could not possibly know the names or the ideas of half the stuff that's down there. And by the way, you got to be Catholic to get access. It's ridiculous. Next, if the biblical model of the universe stands true, what is the earth? A realm? A dimension? What is the firmament? Is there other life past the firmament? What would be beyond the firmament? Well, these are good questions that we are definitely endeavoring to answer. (laughs) These are the questions of our time, of our age, maybe further back. Um, There's logical deductions we can make. If there truly is a firmament or a hard, fast barrier, it means we're basically living in a snow globe. If we're basically living in a snow globe, it means we're in here and we can't get out, at least not with our bodies. And that begins to open up all kinds of assumptions we could make. There is the idea that the soul is deathless. The body will die, but the soul goes on and on and on, cannot be destroyed kind of idea. That insinuates that there's something more than this. I've read plenty of accounts where all the luminaries in the sky, I'm referring to what we currently call planets, represent levels of human existence as if it were a dimension. In other words, I can see Jupiter, but I can't go there, at least not now, till I graduate the grade I'm in. I don't know how we accurately answer these questions without walking the walk, but maybe that's the point. Maybe you don't get to know what's beyond graduation of seventh grade until you graduate seventh grade. There you go. All right. Next questions are from Zach and Krista. We are longtime vegans. For us, refraining from the consumption of not only meat, but dairy and poultry obtained through a system that is beyond cruel is directly in line with our pursuit of truth, 
and the unmasking of a corrupt and rigged system. We understand that there is currently a vegan agenda that is being pushed in the mainstream to whitewash the truth of the matter, which is that beneath the surface, there is very real and horrific... There is a very real and horrific system of slavery going on. No one seems to care, and the folks that should, the seekers of truth, are flippant about this issue as purely manufactured and a fad. Could you please share your thoughts on the topic? And by the way, uh, Mark, thank you for the one pound super chat. Thank you so much. All right. Um, I'm happy, Zach and Krista, to address this, and I will announce while my wife and I have eaten next to no meat for years, we've officially gone over to vegetarian. Uh, we will actively not eat a thing, even though we haven't ever harmed animals for as long as we've been together. 20, 30 years, we've both had a mindset that you don't do anything to harm animals or other living beings. We've officially, not too long ago, made the decision that we will, in fact, be vegetarian. Um, and this is important, and it actually... This question coincides with research I'm doing, as I mentioned about my Sharona, everyone knows what I'm talking about, is Ovid. In Ovid, and I think it's either the 12th or the 15th book, uh, they relate the connection between masonry and these old myths that I'm harping on all the time. That connection is through the Pythagorean 47th problem, um, and that's the direct link that links these secret societies, how they were built, and why the myth is important to every facet of the world ruling system. But in the book I mentioned, you are told by either Pythagoras or what's the other name, Jason? Euclid. Euclid. It's either Euclid or Pythagoras. I think it's Pythagoras informs us that you should, it may be the oldest uh, vegan text that I've ever found. I'm not sure. He says, you do not kill animals to survive. And here's why, because you're all going to be reincarnated. That's one of the things claimed in the Ovid. But it goes on to say, how can you kill a thing so that you can live and then justify it on the other side? That's part of the Ovid. Now, regardless of where a human being is, these are, these are independent. This is the whole thing about having free will as a human being. I don't get to judge others because they're eating meat. I can suggest to them maybe they should check it out and not eat meat. I might even suggest why it's a good idea, but no way, shape or form can I force them or judge them not to do a thing. And that is part and parcel from where we are. People are at all different levels in our society. And until a person decides I'm not down with this, they're not going to change a thing. And so this is where we're at. But I will tell you that all the way back in these oldest of myths, uh, there are accounts claiming that there was a time when animals were not consumed uh, to make human life easier to live if that's what it actually is and i'm with you all day long uh the way we farm these days is uh, indefensible just indefensible yeah uh rose and i are both vegetarians uh, occasional pescatarians but for the most part vegetarians and i i get that the dairy thing as far as the mainstream uh industrial manufacturing is also horrible uh that's something we're working on um but I agree. There's there's a lot lot of bad stuff going on, and it's terrible what they do to animals. And that's what made me after many 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 years because I've only been a vegan for or excuse me a vegetarian about not even a year and a half yet because I I just can't do it. I can't stand the thought. I can't look in my kitty cat's eyes and he stares back at me. That that's a living animal, and I just can't stand the thought of of, of that just that whole thing anymore. But yeah, I, I think that um, dairy would be fine if it was coming from 
humanely sourced things and, and not these massive horrible farms and all that. But I think everybody knows that, that that's, that's what goes on because they're trying to mass produce stuff. And, and then the, that gets all into the homogenization that you're basically drinking uh, liquefied cheese when you're drinking milk and things like that. It's yeah, it's not good. Well, they make, fun, they make fun of it in the matrix. What are all those little babies in the battery fields getting fed liquefied dead people? But I got, I got to laugh because I'm going to answer Fox bear Fox bear, if I come back as a carrot, there's a good chance I'm going to get juiced. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Eric DeLion for $5. Thank you. Uh, Crow, can you talk about the energy change you felt as you turned over to vegetarian, the difference in your mind and soul that you felt? Uh, it's not. You see, that's the thing. We were so basically we were vegetarians that weren't very careful about what we ate and occasionally did eat things like fish um, and other things. Almost never red meat or anything like that. We've been doing this for a long time. So the switch is more of a mental I'm committed to this on a different level now, even though we were kind of still doing it. And this coincides with the idea that the whole 5G thing may well be somehow leveraging off people having animal fats in their bodies. Um, there's a lot of lot being said about this. But the main thing for me is my wife and I got back into juicing. We got one of these freaking gold-plated juicers that costs about two grand to do the cold pressing. Um, uh, it's a pure juicer. By the way, there only used to be one like Norwalk, but now there's one called Pure, and it's actually superior from my point of view, and a bit cheaper, and you can buy it on payments, which is something new. Um, when we started to get into this, we began to feel like we need to commit more, um, and part of it is where we live. When I was a child, we went down to the water, and I lived for weeks on end without going home. I could feed myself right out of the water. Not so easy to do that anymore, and by the way, before my father died uh, in the early 2000, I had already vowed I'll never take another animal out of that water. I used to work as a commercial fisherman. I used to take lobster, fish, everything to feed myself or just to do it because that's what we were going to eat. Um, a lot, decades ago, I made the commitment that I'd never take another animal life. And this also relates to what I did with rattlesnakes when I was a child. Yeah, and, and I've kind of felt the same thing. Like, it's a spiritual thing. Like, I don't want the flesh of a dead creature inside of me. I just, I've gotten to that point, and that's, yeah, I feel a lot better about it that I have not willingly contributed to that. And uh, I don't know. You guys have to decide for yourself if, if, you, seem, if you seem to think I'm different uh, a year from a year and a half ago to now. I, I, I'm just me. I, I, I take it day by day. For $5, thank you from I Am The Reason. Hey, Crow, the Golden Age would have exclusively used free energy and the ether to maintain the high intellect, most likely superpowers like telepathy. Um, where are you? That's it. That's a super chat I just read. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking. I'm all, where, where's that question? Can you do that one more time, please? From I Am The Reason. Hey, Crow, the Golden Age would have exclusively used free energy and the ether to maintain the high intellect, most likely superpowers like telepathy. I'm with you all day long. I think that we are as low or damn near as low as human beings can go, although I have a feeling the powers that be will try to see how much lower 
we can go until idiocracy is actually true. Uh, maybe in the lifetimes of some people listening here, it's hard to know, but that sure seems like what the push is. And I am with you all day long that a human being could be so much more to the point of talking mind to mind or Lord only knows. Uh, the human mind is a powerful damn thing, and that is proven every single day when your damn television and the news do everything they can to co-opt your mind into a fantasy-based reality using proven alchemical principles to pull it off or what I will call the misuse of alchemy. So I'm with you all day long. If, if and I hope to hell there, there, there was a golden age, I expect even more than what you described here. We can only speculate, of course, but there does seem to be a very different way of approaching everything. Uh, I think old buildings are a very good example of that, old structures, uh, even all the yep. way up into... Uh, the Middle Ages, early Renaissance, when you start seeing the Gothic cathedrals, there seems to be something to all this. Hard to say because uh, the powers that be are certainly not not uh, handing out pamphlets on how to do this stuff. <laughs> oh, you know, there's another thing I'll add on the last bullet point. I'm actually paying attention to the chat now, which I'm not very good at doing when we have all this text in front of us. Um, the whole idea of cold press juicing or the Gerson method, part of it is you're getting every nutrient every cell in your body needs to fix itself. But underlying all that, the unspoken power of it is that you're ingesting life. And this is what pasteurizing and boiling all the life out of a thing under the guise that germs will kill you and stuff like this is about removing all the life back in the day if you had things like miso um even soy sauce from that part of the world or cheeses from this part of the world those were living things and among the healthiest things you could get into your body um, because they worked on the alchemical principle which was fermentation Alcohol is made by some of these principles. But my point here is when you do that juice, 50% of its benefit is you're ingesting life. And I think we can all put together, if I slap a slab of steak down on my plate and eat it, have I ingested any, any life? But again, I'm not being judgy about this. And I know exactly where I came from. I came from a freaking bacon double cheeseburger. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and yell at people for being a baby and acting like I never was because um, that's just no way to be. Uh, I know where I am. I know it's time for me to be here. But people got to do this on their own dime. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah, and I respect the hell out of out of vegans. But here's, here's a bit of advice uh, if, from my point of view, my opinion. Don't be freaking annoying about it because this is why a lot of people are saying veganism is an agenda. It's because you're pissing a lot of people off because you're going doing things like going into chat rooms like now. I don't know if they're, if anyone's doing it right at this exact moment. But when we're having these conversations and you're just blasting over and over and over and over and over again about how how you have to be a vegan and everything is cruel. Guys, that's not that's not the way to do things. I mean, it's just nope. all you're doing is yeah. entertaining the living shit out of people and making them turn against you. And it, and it could be the best message in the world, but if you beat someone over the head with any message, no matter how good, I mean, think about like your job and things like that where they say simple things if, when they beat you over the head with a message. You instantly throw up a wall and be like, screw you. You know, that that's just how we are for the most part. So, yes, openly discuss it. Be cool about it, but don't beat someone over the head with the message because you're just going to turn them off and they're going to make make them think that you're a total asshole to be blunt about it well it's it's both sides um you know everyone everyone wants to have freedom of choice but at the same time they think they know best so they can impose their choice on someone else it makes no sense everybody's where they're at 
And when you know what's right and wrong, uh, you'll go where you need to be. And there ain't a single person in this world that's going to force you into it until you're ready to do it in most cases. Right. And, and this and this is where I'm at. I'm happy not eating the flesh of a dead creature. I'm glad to know that the sustenance that sustained me this day did not come from a creature that had to be killed to do so. Whether it was humanely or not, even if it was quote unquote humanely or something raised on a farm, I still don't want to eat the dead body of a creature anymore. I just I just don't. Uh, but I, I would love to have cheese and milk and, and those kinds of things coming from a much better place. But uh, we're almost out of time. But but yeah, just please think about it. If you're somebody, especially if you are a very hardcore vegan, I respect the hell out of you, but don't be freaking annoying about it. That's all I can say because you're just causing more strife. People get to do what people are going to do. It's called free will, and that's part of being a human being here. But Jason, why don't we try it? You want to try to knock a few more of these out? The hour went by quick. It did. We I barely, just realized how we much. We barely scratched it. Are you booked or should we do a few more of these? No, I'm fine. Let's do it. Uh, all right. From Chris. If so-called space is expanding, what is it that we are expanding into? This one baffles me and you never hear anyone talk about this. Well, that depends on who you're well, talking about. I'm sure yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson will tell you exactly how this is going. Uh, the universe is expanding. You're expanding into your imagination. That's where you're expanding to. Um, we can pretty much demonstrate the descriptions of space we have are unreliable. I don't accept that space has been properly described in the same way I don't accept our world has been properly described. And so, to me, this is just more of making humans insignificant specks of dust that don't matter. I take the opposite point of view. We are the highest living thing here we are the caretakers of this place and what's more i'll take it a step further this place was made for us to be the apex thing here um so i'm not buying that i'm just a speck of dust and it's getting bigger all the time and i'm getting smaller prove it and don't show me star trek as your proof by the way that would not be logical captain no not at all berserker bear thank you for the two dollars he says agreed jason gamma's gonna gamma haha very true Second question from Chris. Our solar cycle means that at every six months, we are on a different side of our sun. So why do we see the same stars in the sky? Surely this isn't possible as we are looking at a different part of space when you think about it. And as we are told, according to space time, nothing revolves at the same speed. True. Well, you don't call me silly. Yeah, we, we figured all this out. You see, everything you're looking at is so damn far away as to be unimaginable. You can't even fathom in your little minuscule human mind how far away those things are. That's why you don't notice any difference. There's, there's the reasoning that I don't accept. And I'll take that a step further. The sun is not 93 million miles away in my point of view. It's part of our system here, much closer. Moon, same thing. Not 300 or 240,000 or whatever it is, 1,000 miles away. Not buying. Um, these things are here, right here in our little system. And when you begin to logically throw out all – you know, here's a thing for you. We're told that we're spinning, okay, just spinning on the axis faster than the speed of sound. We're spinning in an orbit on top of spinning faster than the speed of sound or Access many times the speed of a 30 out six round. Okay, that's just two of the spins. I'm not going to go all the way out till we're spinning around a sun and the sun's spinning around a galaxy each time, many more times the speed of a 30 out six round. How is it that we have been convinced that we could be spinning in all these directions yet no one could detect it? There's the first common sense problem of the modern age. 
It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we will accept these things. It's just that, and this is the battle for your mind that I was talking for. You've been told it so many times. How can anything else be true? From the time you were born, you were told these things are true. So the truth of it is, I can say things and you can think I'm an idiot for saying it. Other people can tell you things and you'll say, that's not what I was told my whole life. Or you can suspend everything anybody has ever told you and go out and observe. And once you do that, you're on your way to being an adult. And pretty soon you'll know things that you thought were pretty much impossible. Um, that's the way I view all this. And by the way, everything in your question is made up in a false model I don't accept, but that's my point of view. Reperception Podcast, thank you for the $2 super chat. He says, happy port of, <laughs> happy port of entry day, Jason. Uh, thank you <laughs> so much. Uh, that's been my little joke that yesterday was my port of entry day. Um, thank <laughs> port you. Port of entry plus nine. Plus nine months, right. Uh, thank you to everybody. I got a lot of birthday wishes yesterday. Thanks, guys. That's really cool of you. All right, you want to keep persevering here? Are you uh, ready to call it a night? Uh, sounds like you are. Uh, if you want to call it, we can call it. Otherwise, I'm happy to push through a few more. All right, we'll do some more. From David, what are your thoughts on fighting back or the idea of self-defense? Should people take actions to resist tyranny that may indeed add to the evil in this realm or just let what will be be? And of course, I'm not asking for anyone to attract attention to themselves in a negative way, but what are the thoughts of the membership, and yours of course, on how to face evil, I suppose is what I am trying to get at. I have a feeling it may depend on their family situation and their personal acceptance of their death, and potentially the death of millions in a violent manner, once again, in our, their lifetimes. Here's the thing, man. It comes back to free will again absolutely comes back to free will. I do not advocate violence. The only time you will ever hear me advocate any level of violence is if you're going to die if you don't do something. That's it. Other than that, I'm not having any of it. I've had more than one job that involved firearms. Uh, I've been in situations where I have witnessed deaths. Matter of fact, my first job out of high school, I witnessed death on a level most people don't have to face until much later in their lifetime. Here's the thing. If you do what you know in your heart to be correct and you exude that correctness, other people around you will recognize it. Because as I said before, there is no law that you have violated if you choose to be a bad person. Now, if you break laws like hurting people, um, yeah, then you've broken our societal norms. But the point is there is no universal law that states that will be enforced. You have to do what we all consider to be good. You can be a bad person if you want. You can be a jerk. You can treat people like crap. As long as you don't break our civil laws, you can do these things. The point I would make is any example you've ever heard of an important personage like Jesus or anyone else we could appoint to, they set an example that others admired and they followed it. There's your hope. If truly you think that being good is better than being bad and yet you can't demonstrate the value of good, then how true could that have been in the first place? So my point here is, do always, no matter what, what you know to be correct, don't ever do what you know to be wrong. And when you see injustice done, don't be down with it. You got to be that light that people will admire and follow because that is a powerful, powerful thing to try to stop. When people knowingly say, look at that, I admire that, I'm with that, I'm going to be like that or I'm going to follow that. See where I'm getting at here? 
in the chat. Well, let me address that real quick. As far as self-defense, the one thing I recommend more than anything, if if it's even remotely doable, would be some form of martial arts because it teaches discipline as well as being able to defend yourself in a physical manner. And even a reasonably well-trained martial artist can do a hell of a lot more than somebody who's clueless completely. And you know what? You won't feel quite so helpless in a negative situation. I would love I to see a thing where an entire community, if they were close like this, where they would set up a place, uh, a dojo, if you will, and, and let whomever can teach, teach for free, that everything's taken care of so they don't actually have to charge that much. And it's a, it's a give and take situation. I think that would be a beautiful thing to see in a community because I'm just, I'm, I'm very pro martial arts. You know, what gets lost in the modern era with all the kind of mind warping and unhappiness that's being inflicted on society or even simple things like debate, almost everyone has forgotten how to do a debate so that something is gained out of it. It devolves into fighting. And this reminds me of what Jason just said in Every martial art I've ever had to do with, and I've had to do with some. As a matter of fact, I was master of tampa in one for a while. Two tampas, actually, the side handle baton that police used to carry. Um, the first thing is if you can leave this situation to defuse it, that is your obligation. If it gets to a point where you can no longer leave and it's going to be your butt, then everything changes. But the point here is, is how many people get into a situation and quit thinking about their ego or whether they were insulted and are thinking, can I leave this situation to make it stop? Very few. And that's a shame because if it was just that simple to say, hey, I can go over there and this ends, think of how much better a world we start to have. Hollywood's not teaching these things. They're teaching the opposite. They're teaching, you know, there's a knife on the table. Stab that person. They'll fall down. They won't move anymore. Well, that's actually not the truth. I've seen people stabbed. It's the most horrific thing you'll ever see, and they don't fall down and stop moving until they die. Um, same with the, the, the James Bond thing. Comes into a room, punches a guy in the head. Oh, he's <laughs> out of the scene. You know, it's nonsense. I've seen violence at a level, um, and I've been around things that I don't even talk about. And people have no idea because all this media and movies and crap that we are force-fed our whole lives through entertainment paint this picture which masks the reality of what violence is. And the main truth that I can tell you is if you see a fire and it's burning out of control, do you say to yourself, damn, there's a fire, I'm going to pour some gas on it? Or do you say, damn, there's a fire, I'm going to pour some water on it? In the current state of affairs, I see so many people reach for the gas. Oh, I'm pissed off. Oh, my feelings were hurt. I don't like this violence, but I'm going to get violence because I don't like that violence. And it's completely without logical merit or an adult mind. If you don't like violence, that should mean that you're not ever going to participate in it unless you have no other possible option. And these are important ideas to think about because... As we get further into this nonsense that's coming on to us right now, universities are going to close, international travel is going to close, and the bulk of the people listening, I know the bulk of the people listening, understand why it's beyond the pale to accept this nonsense. And then they're going to get angry, and people are going to think, we need a revolution or we need a land. Let me tell you something. If you've never been in a war then you better think twice when you start talking about revolution. If you have a family that's dear to you, you better think twice before you think about these ideas. There's better ways to go at it. 
And I'm, I'm here to tell you, if in your heart you do what you know to be right without fail, that's the best you can do in this lifetime. All right. I think we could do one more here from the uh, chat room asking right. about, has anyone ever tried moon gazing? And is there any benefit or anything to that? Well, I would have to say, based on what I know now, um, moon gazing might be a little bit like the opposite of sun gazing. <laughs> um, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm kind of logically working it out as I answer. But there is the whole connotation that that is a feminine energy. So let's just face it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Maybe for a female aspect of a human being, there's something there. But for the most part, the moon is like the negative side of a battery. Now, the negative side of a battery is not bad. As a matter of fact, the negative side of a battery is what allows the positive side. And both of those things together is what gives us the energy that we want to get from the battery. I view the sun and the moon in this way. But while I would look all day at the, uh, the moon, I can't tell you how many hours I spent looking at or, or the sun. I can't. I mean years I spent looking at the moon and it's not the same thing there's no energetic level there's this other effect I don't know how to describe it but it's not the same thing by by a long shot but then again I am a man I do have a penis and I know that the moon is feminine so let's just let's just fake like I told you the truth and told you I'm not sure <laughs> uh, John thank you for the five dollar super chat good to see you there my friend you're always awesome um all right, so this week on Crow Triple Seven Radio, we have Dr. Andy. He's going to be this week's oh, yeah. show. It, it should be a good one. Um, we just met him, but uh, germ theory, so many people are challenging germ theory. So many come in to say that viruses are misdescribed. So these are interesting conversations. With Andy, we're going to really have to moderate how we deliver the content of Hour 1, but that will not be true in Hour 2. Um, we hope you'll join us. And by the way, right now more than ever, being able to run a private server for that Hour 2 is one of the most important things. Because even though we don't hurt people, the censorship is over freaking whelming. Um, just, you got to watch it. It's like, did a child come and view your video? That's what's coming to us now. Did you remember to put, this is not for children on your video? By the way, did you say this word you're not allowed to say? And by the way, did you talk about a race of people no one's allowed to, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. It is 1984, the level of censorship. Anything else, Jason? Well, this week, uh, Wayne is not going to be able to do the live stream, but the great Baldini is going to be with me, and uh, I will announce in the next day or two what the subject matter is going to be. We've been kicking around a few ideas, and, uh, well, I think that about does it. Oh, Captain Jimmy, we've got a last-minute super chat in there for a dollar. Thank you so much the, to the captain. Anything else you All right, want, to, well, we want to tie up here, Crow, or are we signing I, off? I, I think we're there. Um there's going to be some lockdowns coming, folks. And for those of you that know that it's all being done on a lie, how you conduct yourself is going to matter. And I think it's important. You can't beat your ideas into another person's head, but you can be a beacon of reasonable light that people will respect and then emulate or follow. We're coming into a serious year here. It is my contention <clears throat> that the great conjunction 
on the low point of the sun this year called the winter solstice is going to be a big damn deal. And the la- it's, a, it's a once in a generation thing. Every 20 years, the two big boys up in the sky, we're told, Jupiter and Saturn. Um, the last time we saw this, we went into the new millennium, 2001. Need I say more? Uh, this is a big year. And how we conduct ourselves and what we're willing to accept and how we're willing to stand by and watch watch others be mistreated, these are going to be big ideas in this year. And I, I would suggest you should never stand by and watch any living thing be mistreated. You shouldn't do it. Um, but I guess that's all I'll add, Jason. All right. That'll do it for this week, guys. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. We had quite a good turnout, 300 and close to 400 on YouTube and uh, close to 300 on DLive. So thanks, everybody, and we will see you soon. There it is, man. Cheers. Belief is the enemy, the enemy of knowing. Come.